at this time, I, uh, I just want to encourage you before we, we take the offering, and, uh, and again, we're going to encourage you to, to utilize all the ways that we, that we give, but let me just say this. Um, I know that this is uncomfortable, and I know that, that, that this is different. It, it's different for all of us, but this is not the time for the church to, to shrink back in fear. This is a time for the church to step up. This is the time for the church to be concerned about all of those who are fearful because they have no hope. Scripture says that we should always be ready uh, to, to give a reason for the hope that lies within us. So you know what that tells me? That tells me that everybody that doesn't know the Lord they notice the hope that's in us and they want to know why we have it. And we should be ready to tell them. And so in a time like this, when people are panicking, when they're emptying out the shelves at the stores as if this is, you know, the, the, the apocalypse, it, it, it's coming and um, Jesus will surely be coming soon, let's make sure that they know Jesus so that when he does, does come, they're ready to go. Amen. And so I just want to encourage you that. Um, don't give in to all of the, the negative news on TV. Be more mindful of the good news that people need to hear more than anything else. Right now, this is temporary. What we're going through is not going to last forever. And we're believing that we're going to be gathered back together again by Easter. And so, can I encourage you, please, you know, take heart um, and, and be strong and courageous in a, time like this, in, in a time like this because the people around you have no hope who do not know the Lord, they need you to be strong and they need you to direct them and to lead them to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus during this hour. Could be the church's finest hour right now. The church, believe it or not, could actually flourish and grow in a time like this. So I just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, we are gonna take an offering and I wanna remind you of the different ways that we um, make available for you to give, you can, you know, traditionally give. And our offices are going to remain open. And so if you want to stop by and you want to drop off your offering, you can, you can do that. You can, you can give through bill pay, you know, through your bank. You can give online at restoreionia.com. Uh, you can download, I believe it's the Give Plus mobile app. You can download the app. Or you can text um, your giving to 616 25, 616-207-1225. So please continue to give. Um, encourage you to do so. I want to uh, encourage you out of Isaiah 32, 20. I'm going to read it to you in three versions. It says, the Lord will greatly bless his people wherever they plant seeds. So notice that God's blessing is contingent on, upon planting. Bountiful crops will spring up. Their cattle and, and donkeys will graze freely. The New King James says, blessed are you who sow beside all waters. The ESV, happy are you who sow beside all waters. So the biblical pattern and, and, and instruction for us is that we give no matter whether the waters are calm or raging, and they could be raging for you right now. I'm encouraging you to give in a time like this. And I just want to pray over God's tithes, uh, your offerings, over and above those ties, I just want to pray over them as you're preparing your hearts to give whatever route you choose to. Um, Father, I thank you that we can trust you in times like these. Lord, you are in control. And just because something like this has hit humanity doesn't mean that you're any less in control.
Father, I thank you that it is in times like these, in moments like these, that people are going to come to you, that people are going to get saved. Father, I'm believing that bodies are even going to be healed in a time like this because it is amazing what can happen when people reach out to you, when people come to you. God, I just thank you that you're going to more than calm people's fears in these times. You're going to change people's lives in these times. Your promise in Scripture in Jeremiah 29, 13 is that if we would seek you with all of our heart, we would find you. You can be more than found. You can be discovered and you can be loved and you can, you can be, uh, we can be in relationship with you and walk with you and talk with you like the old hymn says. Father, I thank you that these challenging times could be the beginning of the rest of many lives and so, Father, reach people today all over the world. There are churches that are going to be going online. Reach people today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your giving. We're going to continue in our series on amazing grace. And we're going to wrap it up. And then the next two weeks, we're going to be looking at the gifts of the Holy Spirit which are rooted and based in grace. And you're going to see that next week, how we can flow from a message on grace into the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But open your Bibles uh, to Jude, right before the book of Revelation, little one-chapter book of Jude. We know Jude was Jesus' earthly brother. Two of the New Testament books were written by Jesus' earthly brothers, James and Jude. Look at Jude Verses 3 and 4 it says, Dear friends, I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share, but now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith. I believe the New King James says, earnestly contend for the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago for they've denied our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask that your word would run rich and deep in each and every heart. Father, open up our hearts to see why we must earnestly contend for the faith because of the amazing, marvelous grace that's been made available, that's been extended to us through Jesus Christ. Father, bring your word to life. Father, sharpen. Father, the strong, strengthen the weak. Comfort, Father, those who are hurting. God, I thank you that you're going to hear our prayers, that you're going to minister your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And amen. Hopefully, if you've been with us the past couple of weeks, we've laid a good, strong foundation because I want to talk about some of the abuses of grace that are uh, going on today. And I want to recommend, as I have in the past couple of weeks, but if you haven't been with us, I want to recommend a book by Dr. Michael Brown. It's called The Grace Controversy. And Dr. Michael Brown, in his book, The Grace Controversy, talks about abuses of grace. And I want to look at some of those today. I'm only going to highlight maybe three um, majors here. And then I want to leave with encouragement. I want to encourage you today. 
But there are a couple aspects of the modern-day hyper-grace message, or we would call it hyper-grace. One aspect is that when we get saved, God forgives all of our sins, past, present, and future. Another, and even more unscriptural, view is that God doesn't even see the sins of believers because of the work Jesus accomplished on the cross. Almost like thinking God forgives our sins even before we commit them. And then in his boldness, Dr. Brown even adds a third aspect that he would consider uh, an, uh, an overreach or an, an abuse of grace, and that is in regards to the once saved, always saved teaching. He offers three modern-day viewpoints, and most evangelical churches revolve around these three viewpoints in some way or another. And I just want to present them to you. The first is once saved, always saved, meaning that once saved, no matter how you live, even rejecting Jesus, turning your back on him, you cannot lose your salvation. Even though your life might be shortened because of sin and lessen your future rewards, you're still eternally saved. Second, perseverance of the saints, meaning a true believer would not turn away from God, and therefore, if you die in sin, you were never truly saved to begin with. And then thirdly, there's really not a title for it, like one saved, always saved, or the perseverance of the saints. But the last and the final view is that a true believer can choose to reject God's grace and forfeit salvation. Now, I'm just simply going to say this, and I, I, I'm, I'm not diving into to really any camp, and that's not out of cowardice. It's, there, are, there are brilliant, brilliant preachers and, and pastors and theologians that are on both sides of the coin, from once saved, always saved, to you can forfeit your salvation and you can reject God. I'm simply going to reference a, a couple scriptures, and you pray about it. And uh, again, this, this once saved, always saved, this, I, I would love to believe that from the moment I genuinely asked Jesus into my heart that man, I was, I was locked in. And the, the love of God and the power of God is able to keep me and able to hold me. I, I struggle with whether I forfeit my free will. And I'm just going to mention 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 3. Um, speaking of the last days, it talks about the great falling away or the great apostasy. And my thinking is that there must be something to fall away from, from if there's going to be a great falling away, if there's going to be a great apostasy that's going to take place. 1 Timothy 4.1 says that in the last days, people will depart from the faith. We know that in Matthew 24, Jesus spoke to the disciples and said that in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. We know that that word love is God's agape love. And so, I mean, there are some scriptures, there are some arguments. Um, all I'm going to say is simply this, know God. And know that there is no way that you can be separated from the love of God. If you're even concerned, if you, if you would even care, I would let you know that there is a blessed assurance. And you don't have to fear that somehow you've done something that would cause you to forfeit your salvation. I don't believe it can be lost, like it could be misplaced. I believe it's either out and out rejected, and you could care less, 
or you know that you know that you know that you're saved. So take heart, you know, be encouraged. Um, God's grace is powerful. His salvation is strong, and I believe he is able to keep you and to prevent you faultless, like the end of the book of Jude tells us. So when we got saved, what sins were forgiven then? Because we know there is forgiveness of sins, so what sins were forgiven? The sins that we committed before we got saved were forgiven. The sins that we committed in ignorance were forgiven. So why would Jesus have taught us to pray the way that he did in Matthew chapter 6? You know, the, the Lord's Prayer, or I grew up, we called it the Our Father, verses 9 through 13. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then why would God reiterate in verses 14 and 15, Jesus says in verses 14 and 15, after the Lord's Prayer, it says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, then neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. And then what about Mark eleven twenty-five 25 and 26? It says, Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. Well, we know that this Bible was written to Christians. It was written to believers. And it's talking about forgiveness here. So there must be forgiveness even after we invite Jesus into our heart and we become Christians. There must be an ongoing work. And we're people of flesh. And so we must be able to come to the Lord and ask for forgiveness. And then I would also reference Psalm 130, verse 4, that tells us there is forgive with, forgiveness with God so that he might be feared. Pretty powerful to think about. So I can safely say that where there is not forgiveness, there is, there's not a fear of God or bare minimum a lack of the fear of the Lord. Because if we have forgiveness with God so that we might fear him, where there is not uh, forgiveness, then I would think that there's no, there's no fear of God there. And so forgiveness is a powerful, powerful thing. It's cleansing. We know 1 John 1, 9 tells us that God is faithful and just to forgive us when we ask, and then he'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe forgiveness is powerful because not only are our sins are forgiven, but we're cleansed and we're washed. I want to look at 2 Peter. This uh, summer I'm going to be doing a series and I'm going to be doing studies on 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and also 1 John. But look at 2 Peter. If there's ever been a book in the Bible on grace, it's 2 Peter. Look at 2 Peter 1, verse 2. It says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to note that not only does 2 Peter begin this way in verse 2, but it ends this way in, verse, or in chapter 3, verse 18. Speaks of our growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Start to finish, this book is a book on grace. Notice that we can grow in grace. Look at 2 Peter 1 verses 8 and 10. So just a few more verses up. It says, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you'll never fall away. How powerful that we are encouraged to keep going, to keep moving forward, to keep growing in grace. We get messed up when we forget about God's forgiveness, but God's forgiveness is for the sins that we've committed, not for sins that we haven't committed yet. I'm not asking God for forgiveness for sins I haven't even committed yet. And so part of grace is also peace, joy, and hope. Look at Romans chapter 5 with me. Romans 5. Look at verses 1 through 5. I'm going to read them. And again, I'm reading out of the New Living. You might have a different version in front of you. It says, therefore, because it's talking about Jesus being um, handed over for our sins, dying for our sins. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us in to this place of undeserved privilege, or your Bible might say grace, where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and, diver- and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. Older versions, as I've mentioned It doesn't say a place of undeserved privilege. It simply says grace. Newer renderings, newer versions uh, try to use more words to describe what grace actually means and what it actually is. And it is a place of undeserved privilege. But notice in verse 1 that we can have peace because of God's grace. Notice in verse 3 that we can have joy in the face of trials because of God's grace. What we're going through right now We can have joy because of God's grace. Notice that we can have hope that won't disappoint in verse 5 because of God's grace. How powerful is that? That we can have peace, that we can have joy, that we can have hope because of God's grace. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, those things are available to us all because of God's grace. And then God has given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. And look at verse 11 of Romans chapter 5. It says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. How gracious and loving our God is. How powerful that we have been made friends of God through Jesus Christ. When we know how dearly God loves us, we won't fear failing him or letting him down. We won't fear losing our salvation, falling away from grace. Our aim should be to grow in him and obtain more grace from him. Look at Romans 12. Romans 12. I want to show you something about grace that maybe you haven't thought of, you haven't considered. This jumped out at me. When I read it, Romans 12, verse 6, and I'm going to kind of dovetail off of this next week when we look at our 
series, our two-week series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but there are, there are three sets of gifts that are mentioned in Scripture. Uh, there are the ministerial gifts that are given by Jesus in Ephesians. Um, the, there are five of them. They are the prophet, the finger pointer. They're likened unto the fingers on the hand. The evangelist, the middle finger, stands out from among the rest. The pastor, the ring finger, he's the one married to the church. The teacher is the pinky because he brings balance. And the apostle is the thumb because he touches all of them. There are the manifestational gifts that we're going to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 next week. And here we see the motivational gifts. Um, the manifestational gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. The ministerial gifts in Ephesians chapter 4 are given by Jesus. And here, the motivational gifts are given by the Father. So you see the Trinity in all of them. The manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit, the ministerial gifts with our Lord Jesus Christ, and the motivational gifts with the Father. Look at Verse 6 of Romans 12 here. It says, In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give ser or give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. And I love verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them. Notice how there is a growing in the grace gift. Because with every gift, we're admonished to, to grow. Did, did you notice that? If you've been given the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. Makes sense. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Do you have a gift for showing kindness to others? Do it gladly. Notice how there's a growth in each gift. And notice that these are motivational gifts that God has set in the heart. The Father has set in the heart. But it all stems around verse 6. It says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. You know what that tells me? That not only are we to grow in our grace gifts, whatever they might be, but we are to do it well. And I don't know about you, but I don't think we step out of the womb or step into this new life in Christ doing anything well, I think we grow into doing these things well. And we're to grow. We're to grow in our grace gifts. We're to grow as believers in Jesus. And you cannot possibly do that apart from God's grace. You grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I admonish you to grow, to keep growing. Don't become stagnant. Don't think that you've got it all figured out. Don't, don't stay where you are Grow and grow and grow so that you can be more where he is than where you've been. 
I believe God's calling us up higher. I believe God wants to use you more than he's ever used you before. And I believe that you're being admonished today to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And those grace gifts, you'll discover them. And we could even here at Restore Church help you to discover them. But once you discover them, then know that God has given you a certain grace so that you would do certain things well. He wants you to do them well. Please do them well. That's why he gave you that grace. He didn't give you a grace gift. He didn't, he get, didn't give you a, a motivation in your heart so that you wouldn't do things well. It's so that you would. And I'm encouraging and I'm admonishing you to do it well. Whatever your grace is, do it well. Man, if you're an encourager, if anyone's ever called you an exhorter, an encourager, be encouraging. You know, it seems so practical, but it's so true. And if you teach, teach well. If God has given you the grace to prophesy, well, do it with as much faith as you possibly can. What good is, is prophesying if, if it's not coupled with faith? You know, who wants, to, who wants to hear a discouraging or doubtful prophecy? I want to encourage you, church, from the moment that you got saved and you asked Jesus into your heart, you came to the Lord by grace through faith. You're going to grow in the Lord by grace through faith. Keep growing. Keep growing. We're all growing. I'm growing. You're growing. We're all growing. And prayerfully, we are not the same people that we were, but we're becoming more and more like Jesus. People are seeing Jesus in us more and more and more. And so I'm exhorting you in Jesus' name to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I don't know where you're at right now. I don't, I don't know if you, you know the Lord, if you've been away from the Lord. But maybe you're not where you should be. Maybe you're watching us online because it's more comfortable for you to do so and it's difficult for you to come and gather with the saints. Maybe you have excuses. There are so many hypocrites at church and, you know, I don't want to attend there. Well, I mean, there, there are hypocrites everywhere. And since when is that going to keep me from gathering with the saints and being in a corporate worship setting? And we're only doing what we're doing right now, not because we lack faith, but because we want to speak to the community that we want to be a blessing to this community. We don't want to be a threat to the community. We don't want to gather two, three, four, five hundred people here and say we're ignoring what the government has placed on um, groups meeting. We're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to be perceived as a threat. You know, look at that. My gosh, you know, what if there was an outbreak there in the church there? We're going to be perceived as a blessing. And we fought hard for the reputation that we have in this area. And we're going to continue to fight hard for the reputation. Because we believe that we are living epistles to be known and read by all men. We believe that we are Jesus to this area. We believe that we are Jesus to this region. And I'm encouraging you, if you are away from the Lord, I cannot think of a better time to come back. If you are fearful, isn't it amazing that I believe it's in Luke 21, 26, um, that it says that in the last days, men's hearts would fail them from fear. Do not give in to fear. And let me tell you this, in the last days, rest assured, one thing you'll be able to count on that will be an obstacle that the church will have to overcome, and it's fear. Do not be fearful. Don't be afraid. Be strong and be courageous. Be strong and very courageous. God's with you. He hasn't abandoned you. He's right there in it with you. His grace is there for you, and you can obtain more of it. And so draw near to him. Draw near to him. I'm going to read James 
chapter 4. And then I want to pray with you. So please, you know, don't tune out. Stay with me. We're almost done. James chapter 4. I know I'm licking my fingers. I do not care. James 4. It says, and he gives grace generously. Older versions will say he gives more grace. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. What a wonderful time for you to humble yourself before the Lord, to come close to God so that he can come close to you, so that you can obtain even more grace. And church, we're all in need of grace. Whoever you are, wherever you are, we're in need of grace. And I know this, I know that if I am going to obtain grace, then I'm going to do so humbly. And so right now, Maybe you're away from God. Maybe you don't even know, the God, know God. Maybe you grew up in the church, but you didn't even know that you could invite Jesus into your heart, that you could have a relationship with the living God, that you could feel his presence, sense his presence. Maybe you didn't even know that. Well, today I'm telling you that you can know, that you can know that you are on your way to heaven. The Bible says that these things were written so that you might know that you're saved. 1 John 5.13 that you might know that you have eternal life. Scripture's written so that we would know. You can know. God's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to get something to you. And so you're, right now, you're watching, and you don't know what to do next. I would love to pray with you. Love to pray with you. And so if you're, you're watching, you're away from the Lord, and you want to come back to the Lord, or you've never invited Jesus in your heart, you've never prayed a prayer, invited Jesus into your heart, asked the Father to forgive you of your sins, and you want to do that right now, would you please pray with me? Please pray with me. Would you repeat this prayer with me? Say, Heavenly Father, go ahead. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for me. Father, forgive me for all of my sins. Father, help me forgive everyone that ever hurt me. Father, help me to forgive myself. Jesus, come into my heart. Go ahead, say that again. Jesus, come into my heart. Make it your home. My life is yours. Your resurrection life is now mine. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you really, really meant it. The Bible says that you are saved and you're on your way to heaven. We have Bibles if you don't have a Bible. Um, we would love to be able to agree with you in prayer. Again, our offices are going to remain open. Please feel free to contact our church office, even if you're watching and you're far away, you could be out of state and you could be watching um, right now. Thank you so much, you know, for joining us. Um, our church office uh, number is 616-527-2009. We will do our best to get anything that you need to keep growing in Jesus to you. Um, and one last thing I had forgotten with all that's going on and, and, and all this. And again, we're going to be right here you know, same bat channel, same time uh, next Sunday, uh, 9 a.m. 
but we have also um, begun to post our financials. Um, we have uh, our financials posted in the in the old building, and we have the financials posted in in this building. And you can see that, and we're also posting them online. And so, if you want to see, you know, all of our financials um, and uh, our expenditures, our revenues, all of that, what we've given to missions and benevolence, um, our building expenses, and you you can see all of that. Um, we're, we posted them now. They'll be posted. You know, I think we're going to probably um, every quarter post them. So we have 2019, the financial report from 2019 posted. So please check those things out. And I just want to encourage you, church, be a people of faith. Don't shrink back. Now is the time for you to step up and for you to stand more than ever. And I really, really believe that there are people all around us if you need look no further than what the stores have been like the past few days to see that people are panicking, that people are fearful, that they don't know what's going to happen. And what a great opportunity for you to share the hope that you have. The Bible says it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Share Jesus with somebody this week. Don't hold up, don't isolate unless the government's telling you that you're quarantined, then I would be getting out there and I would be sharing Jesus. Amen. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather with the saints. And Father, though we might not be physically present together, Father, you're uniting us. It is your body, Jesus. It's the body of Christ. Father, thank you for the work that you're doing in each and every heart and life. Father, thank you for the ministry that went forth today. God, thank you for all the lives that have been changed today, for all the people that came back to you, the people that were far away and drew near, the people that invited Jesus into their heart for the very first time. Father, thank you for the work that you've done today. God, we give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. In Jesus